Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles here on Tuesday, November 3rd, as we will review Martinsville Speedway. We have the final four in the NASCAR Cup Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. We've got them all, our final four. Who will run for the championship this upcoming weekend at Phoenix Raceway? But boy, oh boy, was there some controversy in the Cup race on Sunday. That is where we will start. Chase Elliott was your winner was able to do what they call a walk-off win, NASCAR's version of a walk-off win. He came in below the cut line, really needed a we, – we talked about it, Spencer, uh, on thir- – I talked about it with Spencer on Thursday that Chase needed sort of a walk-off win. He went out and did that, um, but there was some controversy in there, and that's where we'll start. Chase Elliott, obviously a winner. Congratulations to him and his team. A, a great job for them to build a race car that was – Great, and I'll say this, Hendrick Motorsports, even though they haven't won a ton of races this year, in the playoffs, both Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman have come to play. They've really run strong, and nothing should be taken away from Chase Elliott for what happened uh, on Sunday at Martinsville. There's no question about that. But there was some controversy with Chase Elliott with his pit crew man jumping over the wall too soon, then coming back and resetting himself, then doing the service. He only lost six spots instead of going to the rear end of the field, which is what really would have um, put his put his day in a real tough spot because of track position at Martinsville. But the rule was was correct. You can reset yourself on it after a crew member jumps over the wall too soon. I never knew that. I don't think anybody really knew that. We've never really seen that enforced. I'm sure somebody uh, on the pit crew for Hendrick Motorsports, maybe even the Jackman, knew that. But there was no question that he jumped over too soon, but at the end of the day, Philip, um, what were your thoughts on on the Chase Elliott it call and then the rescinding of a call on the pit on the pit stop there towards the end of that race? Yeah, it uh, you know them going and rescinding a call on Chase Elliott is not shocking, uh, mainly because of him being the most popular driver in this sport, but. In in terms of he had a couple of bad pit stops, I was one of them, and the reality is they got away with that, not getting an EOL penalty like Brad got, which was probably uh, a reason why he didn't end up winning that race because he had a car that was better than Elliott's there late in the race, but he had to start at the end of the long end of the line. So, and they gave him a speeding penalty, which when you consider he had the number one pit stall, the notion that he could literally speed in that small of a section, um, I question that as well. But, hey, the reality is old Clyde went out there and two bad pit stops. They lost track position. Martin Truex was out front there late, but he needed to win this race. I think it was um, a career-defining race for for Clyde. I mean, who knows? Maybe he goes out there and wins this weekend, too, but a couple, two, three, however many years ago it was when he got sent into the fence by, by Hamlin and that whole controversy and people, they replay that a ton. And to come back here a couple years later and uh, get this deal done, like three years later, and, and, and win, um, that's similar to what Jeff Gordon had to do in 2015 in his final year and he went out there and won, uh, which is his car, which is the car he's driving right now. Um, 
I mean, the way NASCAR consistently inconsistent, selective enforcement, uh, Chase Elliott had to battle back, though. He had two bad pit stops and was somehow or another able to make track position, uh, go out there and, and win that race. So, I mean, credit to him. I think he knows he has to pick his game up now that, um, you know, Spencer's boy, Kyle Larson's coming into the into the team. So they're basically co-leaders right now. And then you have Alex Bowman there sitting there quietly too. So Hendrick Motorsports is, it looks like finally, after a few years on the downswing, uh, they're taking an upward trend. Um, and he goes to a track which he's relatively, he's been solid at. And he has a, he has as good, he has a, you know, one in four chance of going and winning a championship and joining his dad as a champion in the Cup Series. Yeah, it was a really impressive win for Chase Elliott on Sunday. And really, Spencer, the race turned a lot. There's a couple of, of instances where it really turned. One was a loose wheel on Martin Truex Jr., which we're not really sure if it was a loose wheel, but he had a big vibration, uh, and he had to pit from the second position. And really, that just took out any uh, anybody as far as the race on Sunday that anybody could win other than Chase Elliott. Sure, Ryan Blaney had a pretty good race car. Sure, Joey Logano finished third. He was strong all day. And Brad, we talked about him, especially when it went to dark. He seemed that his car really seemed to pick up. But there was two guys to me who really performed well um, on Sunday, and that was Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. So once Truex pitted from the second position, Spencer, it was Chase Elliott's race to lose. What were your thoughts on Chase Elliott's victory? And I'll dive in a little bit get my opinion on the uh, pit road situation in a little bit. What was your take on, on the Chase Elliott's day there uh, at Martinsville Speedway? He did what he had to do. I mean, they showed up to the paperclip and knew they had to win. Um, that was a must-win situation, I feel like, for anybody below the cut line. And um, 25 points, that's a lot to make up if, you know, a guy doesn't wreck in the first five laps. And that's what I talked about on last show. Um Chase is, I think he's at the point in his career where you expect him to win three, four races a year now. Um, I think those first couple years where he would finish second so many times, you know, screw up on the late race restarts, I feel like those days are over. I think he's matured a ton as a race car driver. Um, Hendrick's getting better. Um, and I think he he's definitely cocky enough and um he has his uh what would you call it his confidence is high um he knows he can go out there i mean these 10 wins they kind of piled up pretty quick um so yeah as far as him going out there and doing what he had to do he did he did just that you know he didn't go out and lead every lap but that doesn't matter he had a he had a really fast race car it reminded me of the roval last year where he hit the wall and was able to just drive through the pack i mean um you knew after about 20 laps you know, Chase was, he was rolling, he was moving, he was coming through the field, uh, mowing him over. And, you know, yeah, he had the two best pit stops. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, you agree or disagree on the guy resetting. Um, I never heard of that. Um, you know, I feel like that is a rule that needs that the fans need to know. Um, you know, I feel like every average fan knows the double yellow line. You cannot pass below that. I feel like that should be the same. How many times have we seen a team with a man over the wall too soon, they didn't know to go back to the wall. Spot on if that's been a rule for a while, and Hendricks guys knew that. Hell of a job by them because that saved the race. Um, but I feel like those small rules need to be told and, you know, brought out more. In school, you know, we were told to raise our hand in class. You know, we were taught on that. Do it, do it, do it. I feel like the fans should know the rules. 
because um, when it happened, I was like, well, people's champ, you know, and of course they're not going to penalize him. And it doesn't look good on NASCAR to penalize a guy and take it back two laps later. Um, that looks very foolish. It looks, um, it looks suspicious, you know, obviously with it happened to Chase Elliott. If Timmy Hill would have done it, he would have been starting from the longest tail end of the line. Um, I feel like, you know, Philip says it best with his saying that he says all the time, consistently inconsistent. You must do it to everybody. Um, but since they say it's a rule, you know, there's nothing you can really do about it. But um, if, like I said, if Hendrick knew, obviously they knew about it. That's heads up, smart. And, you know, they, uh, they're they definitely studying the rule book, I guess. But, yeah, he had to go out and win, and that's, he did just that. And he's going to go compete for a championship in Arizona next week. So very excited, looking forward to it. And it's the first Chevy in the Final Four since uh, 2016, I believe, since uh, wow. when when Jeff was there, I believe. So. Jimmy, um, it was Jimmy in 2016 when he won this. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. So yeah, so you know they've struggled, and now they have a shot to uh, go out and get a manufacturer championship and hoist the trophy on stage. So um, all manufacturers are in it, so it's going to be exciting. Yeah, listen, I, I, there's no doubt. I think uh, there's been a lot of you, you touched on it earlier, Spencer. How I think a lot of early in his career, Chase Elliott, a lot of people kind of went, well, maybe this kid's a little too overhyped. And even the last year or two before that, uh, before this, maybe this kid's a little too overhyped. He does very well, but he's still not great. Well, this year he's really come out, and it seemed like the team went into a little bit of a lull uh, in the middle of the year. I'm not sure that was totally his fault as far as maybe his organization's fault. But since the playoffs have started, you know, that's where Chevrolet is, and, and Hendrick Motorsports in particular has really picked up. And I've been really impressed by Chase Elliott's run, and Martinville was just appointed that. But here's my problem with the pit road rule. The fact that, you know, the rule that, or excuse me, the word that um, Scott Miller used was that the Jackman went back and quote-unquote reset. I'm not sure totally what that means. Does resetting mean he jumped back on the wall? To me, resetting would mean almost like, putting two feet on a wall, and we're getting totally ridiculous at that point. Here's my uh, just thoughts on it. I believe, and I'm not 100% sure on this, but I believe the rule is put into place, the um, the over-the-wall-too-soon penalty is put into place because of safety. They don't want guys jumping over the wall too soon to protect their pitmen. So if it's a safety violation, why can't you go back and reset it? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and it's just more evidence to me that there are too many darn rules on pit road, too many stupid rules on pit road uh, that confuse people. And, you know, I don't think Chase Elliott's day should have been taken uh, – his great run should have been taken away from him because of a guy on his team jumped over the wall by a millisecond too soon. Um, but that's NASCAR 2020 right now. And so I think there was a lot of confusion there. And the fact that we're even having this discussion – and questioning NASCAR, I think, is is the is their problem, um, you know. But as this this day's gone on, and as this week's gone on, there's been a lot of of thoughts about this race. And you know, when you go deeper into the running order and talk about the final four who advanced, so Chase Elliott, we know he advances because of his win. Joey Logano because of his win at Martinsville. Logano advances because uh, of his win at Las Vegas. Or excuse me, uh, Joe Lugano advances because of his win earlier in the round. 
Then you have um, Brad Keselowski advancing as well. And then it was Denny Hamlin, of course. So when you look at that from that standpoint, you say a significant name missing. And that name missing is Kevin Harvick. And a lot of people went on Twitter, and I, I want to give my opinion before we move on to go to you and uh, Spencer and, and Philip here. But Harvick went out, won nine races this year, was far and away the best driver, most dominant driver this year. But I said it to Philip a few weeks ago on this show, and I don't know if he remembers, but I said if Kevin Harvick, I just want to say this, if Kevin Harvick doesn't win the championship, it's going to be a huge disappointment for that four team because they've come so close so many times. We've seen them in the final four so many times, and they hadn't won the championship. And this is going to be his best year to win the championship because Phoenix is the season finale, and he's so good at Phoenix. I don't think anybody anticipated him coming to Martinsville and coming to Texas and, and Kansas and not with those three tracks on, on the final round and not advancing to the final round at Phoenix. I don't think anybody expected that. But yet here we are. Kevin Harvick is on the outside end. And I read in one of my favorite race car drivers of all time, Rick Mast, and I don't mean to call him out, but I just noticed he did it. And he wasn't the only one. But I noticed he, did, he said, you know, the regular season championship, you get a free pass to the nine races and run for the championship at home at the final race of the year. And I can't disagree with that more. And I know I'm an old school guy, and I understand consistency and people who are, remember the sport back when it was in its heyday. Consistency was the key. There's no question. But I don't think the, the regular season championship should get a bye week for nine races and then advance, go, go to the final race at Homestead and get to run for the championship when the other three guys he's running against just ran their rear ends off in the playoffs. I don't think that's fair. Um, so, you know, say what you want about this playoff format. Let's be honest. Kevin Harvick did not perform in these playoffs, and that's where it's most important. This is NASCAR 2020. You have to peak at the right time. Just because you peaked, you know, when you won a ton of races early in the year doesn't necessarily mean you should run for a championship. Since – Bristol, where Harvick went at Bristol, 10th, 20th, 11th, 2nd, 16th, and 17th for Harvick. That's not good enough. In the playoffs, in the most crucial races of the season, that is not good enough. A 10th at Las Vegas is not good enough. An 11th at the Roval is not good enough. 16th at Fort Worth. I know he hit the wall and got, it, got involved there in a wreck. That was sort of not his fault because of the rain. And then Martinsville, they came out and laid a complete egg at Martinsville. Uh, Spencer, to me... That is the biggest problem with Kevin Harvick here is that he was so good early on in the season, but when it counted, it seemed like this four team just didn't perform. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I there's a lot of people that don't like this format, and I, I tell you why I like it. It's just like this. You can't show up, Clayton, to your job. You bust your ass the first six months. Nah, be lazy the next six months and expect to get employee of the year. You know, it's the same thing. This is Kevin Harvick's job. Same with the MLB. You Every series, the ALDS, the ALCS, and the World Series, you can't win the ALCS. You have to play good or you don't move on. And this is the same thing. These are little series. Denny Hamlet said it best in his post-race interview. These are many series. You wanted the Game 7 atmosphere. Well, you got it. And that's how it is. You have to perform. This round, you laid it best. I've never heard anybody say it. He laid an egg. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. You have to perform. 
Yes, 10th for Kevin Harvick is not good. That's a medium day. But you get Spire Motorsports run 10th, that's a win. These big teams have the, the sponsorship, the this, the resources, and that top 10. If you're outside the top 10, you didn't have a good day at all. And you, that's what it takes to win these championships is you have to perform. And then you can sit here and go, well, Joey Logano in 2018, he didn't really perform and he won. He was consistent at the right times. He did enough to get by. But these teams are too damn good. I mean, look, you're going against Hamlin, who had, what, seven, eight wins? I don't really remember. Um, believe seven. Um, they're dominant teams, and you have to – I mean, how can you – if some guy has seven and you go, man, we have to get just about as many wins as him, that's hard to do. That's how good these teams are, and you have to perform. There's no other way around it. You can't lay back, and this round they were, they were not there. And there's a consequence. You don't run for a championship. Better luck next year. Um, so that's the way I look at it. I think this format is, um, you know, is, I mean, here the you're at. The, I mean, Kevin Harvick's arguably one of the best race car drivers, you know, uh, the sport's ever seen. These are the best race car drivers in the world. Well, some of them. Um, but still, you you this is what you're paid to do is perform, win races, and they didn't do that. So um, twenty twenty one probably can't come fast enough because they're they're hungry because they won nine races and aren't going to compete for a championship. So um, it is what it is. No question. And Philip, you know, I know we're old school fans and we remember the sport very well. Actually, when um, the the champion was was really a regular season champion. Uh, was was really a full season champion. They they went out and the guy who was most consistent uh, was your champion. But it it's to me I, I'm not asking Kevin Harvick to be great in the in these last two races. He had such a big lead in the points because when you look at how many playoff points he had from his wins, and that's the other thing I think there was a myth on Twitter, a myth on social media that Harvick, well his nine wins don't count. He got playoff points because of that. He got all kinds of got all kinds of playoff points. Led more playoff points and got more playoff points because of his regular season wins and, and winning the regular season championship. Um, so he had a huge advantage over everybody else in these playoffs. Two guys, two teams, two drivers advanced to the final four off of points: Kozlowski and Hamlin, and they completely outperformed Kevin Harvick. I'm not asking Kevin Harvick to be great in these final two races because of how good he was. Uh, in the regular season. I'm asking him to be halfway decent. He didn't get any stage points at Texas, and he didn't get any stage points at Martinsville. And to have the worst two races, and arguably, and not arguably, the most crucial two races of the season, that's what the four teams did. They had their two worst races of the season at the two races where it was most important to perform, and they didn't do it. Uh, if he was even decent, Sixth in one stage, he advances to the final four. But he, he just was – that's how off they were at Martinsville and arguably Texas as well. So, to me, that is the problem with Kevin Harvick. Again, you can hate this points format all you want, but Harvick did not perform in these playoffs like he did in the regular season, and that's hurt him. Yeah, and it's – at the end of the day for Kevin Harvick, and you said it, a few weeks ago that it would be a major disappointment. He tried to play it off and fundamentally, you know, to come to Martinsville, the 750 tracks this year were not in 
uh, the favor of the four team. Uh, the notion that they were so far off, but you know the fourteen and the ten were able to run over each other and then still come back. And the fact that the fourteen has generally been irrelevant for most of the year, and so is the ten, and they were ahead of them. Uh, that's a problem, I would say. I would also look at the fact that you know NASCAR and the way they handled Texas and that that screwed them. And and it's true. You're talking about a point at the end of the day, and where I think we're going to discuss one aspect of that one point. Uh, Brad Keselowski had to go tailback and drove all the way back up to third and probably had a car that could have won that race. And he got himself in. Uh, didn't expect that. The Hamlin's car was dog crap at the end of the race, and he needed help, and he got that help. But Kevin Harvick's car was nowhere the whole entire day. And it's true. If he literally gets a 10th in one of those two stages, of course, getting in a 10th and, you know, a guy is running 28th every week, and that costs you, which is different from other sports, which they want to compare themselves to, you don't go and run against the same competitors every single week, even in the playoffs. The limits in, in actual sports, which actually get ratings. In NASCAR, you have to run against the, you know, Kenseth, you know, he's a champion, Hall of Famer, but this year has been awful. And you have to run with the Joey Gases of the world who doesn't get in, in, in Quinn Hoffs who can't drive hot nails through snow and they're just in the way. Uh, you know, like that's the problem that it kind of makes a farcical. Um, I, I, it, it, it makes me, it, it's disappointing to me because I, I, we haven't seen a year like this from a driver in a while. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Jeff Gordon's 2007 where Latart and him figured out a way to, um, kind of give it away, which was kind of Latart's thing, which is why he's on TV. Um, it reminds me a lot of that year. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, um, you know, the Brad Keselowski and, and uh, Jeff Gordon in 2014, where they ended up going and having that fight because Kevin Harvick pushed uh, Brad into that deal. You know, like there's there's years and you would like, you want the payoff, or you at least want to be able to see that payoff. And it's an unfortunate thing, but it's true. To go and, and show up in this spot, in the same spot that nine years ago, Tony Stewart had to hold off Denny Hamlin to stay a lap down or to not go a lap down and then come all the way back and pass Jimmy Johnson on the high side to win at Martinsville to come back all these years later and have an even better car, have an even better year than Tony had. I mean, they didn't have a year at all. They literally put it together in the last 10 races. And it's because of that, that we have these pod, like whatever, these segments of the playoffs. They wanted what Tony did to happen every three races. And it's an unfortunate thing. And they're going to have to figure out how to get the 750 package working better because it did not work for Kevin Harvick this year. And fundamentally, that's the reason why um, he may go out there and win on Sunday, but um, it won't mean anything because uh, somebody else is going to be holding the big hardware. Right. And and you bring up a good point about Matt Kenseth, but let me just say, it wasn't like Matt Kenseth was a lap car that was in Kevin Harvick's way. 
I would have more sympathy for him there. He was racing Kenseth for position, which just shows you how bad that four car was at Martinsville. I'm sorry. They put a lot of emphasis on this race. Rodney Childers said we put a lot of effort into this race, and they still didn't run very good. To me, they you have to know how important this race is, and we have to change our mentality now with NASCAR. For so long, the Bob Lafford point system and the way we crowned a champion was great. There's no question. But for so long, we looked at it and said, consistency, consistency, consistency. We almost have to look at it as like an NFL type of thing, peaking at the right time. When the New York Giants won their two most recent Super Bowls, they weren't a very good regular season team. One year, they were the sixth seed, won three road games, got to the Super Bowl, and beat an undefeated uh, New England Patriot team to win the Super Bowl. They got hot at the right time. They were arguably not the best team that year. There's no question about that. Same thing with, with the, the 2011 team that won the Super Bowl. They weren't the best team that year. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the best team winning. It's just how we crown our champion. And there's no question, Harvick was, for three-fourths of this season, the best team, that four team was the best team this year. And that's why I brought up the point earlier in the year where I said, listen, if they win nine races this year and don't win the championship, that's tough. Harvick is going to be 45 years old, and he's got one championship in all these years of Stuart Haas where he's won a ton of races. All we talked about is how great he's been at Stuart Haas racing, et cetera, et cetera, and he's got one championship, one. That's not good if that's how he ends his career. I'm sorry. We're going to almost look at him as like a Pete Manning where he had one Super Bowl and goal. He only got one championship for Kevin Harvick. Kyle Busch has two in this format. So it just makes you sit there and go – they got to start peaking at the right time. And it makes puts something in the back of your head next year as well. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but maybe for next year, if you see uh, the sport team take a step back next year, who would have thought two years ago that uh, Paul Wolf and Brad Kozlowski would no longer be a thing. But last year they kind of had egg on their face in the playoffs. They struggled badly in the playoffs and they made a crew chief change and everybody went, oof. That was not a good move because Paul Wolf's a great crew chief. Here is Brad Keselowski now with Jerry Bolins in the Final Four at Phoenix. And that crew chief change has a lot to do with it. And you can argue with the car he's bringing in a 750 package returning to, to Phoenix, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, that Keselowski is the favorite to win this championship on Sunday because of how good he has been. And a lot of that has to do with Jeremy Bolins and the crew chief change. So just keep in the back of your mind, Rodney, who would think – Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick would be apart because of how good they've been at Stuart Haas. But at the end of the day, they've only got one championship to their credit, so keep that in mind. The other big story to come out of Sunday's race, Philip, we touched on a little bit earlier, was Denny Hamlin. If you were under a rock, you didn't see this race, I'll try and summarize it real quick. Denny Hamlin running in the 11th spot. Harvick's up there running uh, with, Kurt, with Kyle Busch, running for ninth. And it was really a one-point difference in the playoffs between Harvick and Hamlin and whoever got in. Uh, Towards the end of the event, with about four or five laps to go, Eric Jones closed in on Denny Hamlin. And it certainly looked like I would love to see the lap times, but uh, Jones was at least a half a tenth to a tenth faster lap than Denny Hamlin because he had a faster race car. Then all of a sudden he got to Denny Hamlin, knowing the playoff circumstance, and it seemed like he backed off and Hamlin finished 11th and Eric Jones finished 12th. There was communication, and this is the key, there was communication on the radio to the uh, 20 team that said, hey, Jones, don't pass Hamlin, which 
obviously was a team order. Um, and then later on in the final lap, Harvick took Kevin Harvick took a swing at Kyle Busch, tried to spit him out to get the final spot. He spun himself out, Busch hung on to it, and finished uh, ninth, and Harvick fell back to uh, the 17th position. So I, read, I, I did a lot of different – saw a lot of different things on Twitter about this, Philip, and I want to get your take on both situations. How do you feel about Kevin Harvick taking a swipe at Kyle Busch, A, and B, what did you think about the Eric Jones and Denny Hamlin team order situation? I mean, Kevin Harvick has caused intentional wrecks to save himself in playoff situations before. Uh, Talladega being the most, um, uh, the biggest example. Uh, he's run over people before. Um, he's caused fights and thrown people into fights. You know, we talk about Kevin Harvick and you know, he only has one championship and, and he has all these wins. It, it's, it, it's something that this also fits with his character. He's tried to separate himself from that character, but it came out all, it all came together on Sunday in terms of them looking like how he looked for a lot of years in that 29 car going crap in the bed and then going and trying to run over Kyle Busch. And he couldn't even do that. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not shocked. Why, why wouldn't you? That's why they have the race at Martin. That's one of the reasons why they have the race at Martinsville instead of one of these crappy cookie-cutter tracks, which the other two races of this round are, and they're horrible. Neither race was compelling, um, and they ran it in the rain and caused a bunch of chaos in, in, to begin with at Texas at one of the worst racetracks in the history of the planet. But in terms of Martinsville doing all that, I'm not shocked. The car was dog crap all day. He had no chance. He had nothing going through the center. So, of course, he was going to go and try to uproot that – uproot mosquito head and he and he tried and he failed that's one thing Denny Hamlin's car was not good at the end of that race and fundamentally if I'm Eric Jones I'm fired I don't care it doesn't mean anything to me I mean what what is it what are they going to do they're going to take his paycheck away like what at the end of the day he's a race car driver and he's a really good race car driver and quite frankly he got hosed by um, JGR and Toyota after all these years of them propping him up, propping him, propping him up, and then he just shiv him. And I wanted him to to go out there and pass Denny Hamlin. I knew that they were going to tell him to hold station, and in the end they did tell him to hold station. It's just like Formula One, and even it happened this weekend in the IMSA race by Penske uh, that uh, the seven-car uh, was going to win, which is the defending, or the six car, which is the defending champion car, Juan Pablo Montoya and uh, Dane Cameron. They told him to fall back behind the seven car that's actually competing for the championship. So, I mean, it happens. It's happened in, in crazy ways over the years. Um, in a lot of ways, it still happens. It does exist in NASCAR and at certain racetracks. Uh, I mean, what are they going to do? You know, they, they it's it's not as egregious as as uh, you know Clint Boyer and the it, itching his arm or whatever the heck it was called Spingate, which basically was the beginning of the end of Michael Waltrip Racing. Uh, they can't really, and they're not going to do anything because they're in bed with Toyota. They're in bed with Joe Gibbs Racing. 
Um, they want Denny Hamlin to win this championship because it'd be good box office since he's going to be a car owner next year. You know, all those things are in play there. I mean, they have conflicting stories there. The worst thing that could happen for NASCAR right now, considering the, the BS that happened last week with the Toyotas over there, is if one of the Penske cars wins. They're going to be completely, they're going to be so unhappy. So many fans are going to be unhappy. I, I mean, at this point, if Brad's not going to win this championship, I want Logano to just so I can see amount, the amount of people that are going to rage quit out of being a fan because Joey Logano won a championship. He has the same amount of championships as Kyle Busch. I kind of, I kind of want that. It, it's masochistic, but I kind of want that at this point uh, because everyone's going to be licking Danny Hamlin's you-know-what just because, well, that he's into that anyway. But, and, you know, and they want him or they want Clyde to win. Uh, but it, 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 when you consider the two best drivers literally needed to hang on for dear life and had to do what they had to do at Martinsville to even make it or be in that position, it tells you how they've kind of taken a, a step backwards at this point of the season while other drivers are taking a step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's what, you know, there's, a, again, that whole uh, – Hamlin and Jones thing. I think when you look at it, a lot you're you're absolutely right. It's not nearly as egregious as Spingate, um, but there's still a a when Spingate happened, they came out and they said, "Listen, we're going to create this 100% rule where you have to go 100%. It won't feel like you're winning." And you could argue Eric Jones didn't do that. Now you can't prove, and that's the big thing. You can't prove that Eric Jones didn't pass Denny Hamlin because he was told not to. But he was told, you could prove he was told on the radio to not pass Denny Hamlin. If that makes sense. So I'm going to pitch the question to you, Spencer, as well as, as I just pitched to Philip. Uh, do you have any problems with, with what was the, the communication on the radio from Joe Gibbs Racing? I sounded like Rick Corelli, the, the spotter for uh, Eric Jones, telling Eric Jones not to pass Denny Hamlin. Is there does that bother you at all as a fan? And from an ethical standpoint, do you have a problem with with Kevin Harvick trying to wreck Kyle Busch at the end of that race? Yeah, I have a problem. I tell you why. Um, and I, I talked to you guys right before the show. Here's where my fifty fifty comes into play. The part that I can understand why is because Jones isn't in the playoffs. You know whether he finishes tenth or eleventh realistically he's not at Joe Gibbs anymore anyways. Um, so 10th or 11th doesn't mean anything. Here's the second part I have, why I have a big issue. You fired Jones. Um, there is paid sponsorship with sport clips on that race car, or it might've been Toyota. I don't remember. Um, either way, whoever's on the hood, they paid money to be on that race car. And you have Jones's, momentum going into 2021 finish the year off strong i heard he hasn't been in the competition meetings in two months because he does they don't want him to take good information over to rpm you're not letting me in your competition meetings you fired me and i'm going to another team why do i give a damn i don't i'm going to go out strong the last two uh races of the season get top 10 hey i finished year off strong i got two top 10 Load this Toyota back up, take it to the shop, and I'm going to race for RPM 
see you later. It does not matter. You don't – yes, he still works for them, but like Philip said, what are you going to do, take away his paycheck? The dude has a beautiful shop, keeps all his cars in, has a beautiful home, has snowmobiles, has a, has a cabin up in Michigan. The dude's not hurt. He don't need his two weeks paycheck. What he is racing for is potential future sponsors at over at RPM. Hey, man, you know, we're a small company. You know, RPM's not a lot to fund. You got two top tens in the last part of the season. You ran good. That Sponsors look at that. You know, you're going to go after a guy that runs top ten and not go after Quinn Huff that runs in the back of the pack 35th or worse. That's the issue I have with it. Gibbs is bad about this. They've ran two teams out of the sport in the last three years. You have all these stupid BS owners. Jones is racing for himself his sponsors, his crew chief up on top of the pit box, and all the crew guys down on the ground who bust their butt all week away from their families, try to do the best pit stops they possibly can to run up front. And you're going to sit there and tell a guy, don't pass him who has a faster race car. So I understand why, but then I have a big issue because there's so much more that goes into this than besides letting Hamlin get that point. Um, There are too many people that work too hard to sit there and lay back. And yes, you're probably, people are going to say, it's only one spot, dude. Why are you so harsh? You pay millions of dollars worth of sponsorship to be on that race car and tell me if you would like your driver to be told not to go out and race. It's BS. It's stupid. And as far as Harvick, um, you know, bumping Kyle, uh, you know, he has sportsmanship. No, you know, Ryan Newman door jammed Kyle Larson out of turn four at Phoenix in 2014. So, I mean, it's going to be done. I think we would all do it. Um, as soon as he hit Kyle, I said, well, that was dumb. You hit him in the wrong spot. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's trying for everything. He had a hell of a season. He obviously don't want it to end that way, but it is what it is. And he admitted it. He goes, yeah, I was trying to get the point. And Newman did the same thing. He was clear in 2014. He came off of four, door jam Larson, and he said it on pit road. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I want to get into the final four. It's what you race for. Like I said, you're racing for teams, sponsors, your family, everybody. So um, don't really care much about the Harvick situation, but the, that t- the team order stuff bothers me. Um, and then you can say, yeah, plate tracks, they do it. Plate tracks is different. You have to be organized. You have to be in a group. You have to be formed up the right way to get rolling. You want to stay, you know, you know, why, you know, you should help a Chevy over helping a Ford. But I got news for you. Come two laps to go. If that Ford's faster, see you, Chevy. I'm going with the Ford. You know, once again, you're racing for sponsors. So it all leads into the same thing. So, um, you know, you can look at it a ton of ways, but I guess that's my take on it. And quite honestly, I wouldn't have listened. If I was Jones, I would have went right by the 11, got me a top 10, and finished out strong next week and moved over to the 43 and get ready for 2021. Yeah, and Gibbs has done that in the past, by the way, just for the for the record, about uh, moving people out and not letting them into meetings. When David Reagan subbed for Kyle Busch, he was sort of in the same boat. He was not allowed in the, the Joe Gibbs Racing Competitions meetings because they knew he was only a temporary driver there, and they didn't want him to take any of their information from uh, the 18 car and put it to, any, to anywhere else. So, um, I mean, that's just housekeeping done on my part. But listen – here, here's the thing, and Harvick to me, it is ethical wise. I, I, I think it's not the best thing to do in the world. But I owe, and I said last week, and I, on the show, and I'm going to say it again. I, I think drivers should police themselves with this, with, with wrecking each other. And I think if, if Kyle Busch is that annoyed by it, say I'm going to take care of it next week. That's fine, or talk it over with each other. However, you want to do that. 
I think they're flirting with disaster, though, when they didn't come out and at least condemn what uh, Rick Corelli and the 20-car twenty car radio chatter. To me, I would have – if I ran NASCAR, I would have suspended Corelli for the weekend at Phoenix, find Joe Gibbs Racing, and made a statement saying we were not happy with that radio chatter. That's not tolerated. It's not something we like. Um, we can't – you know, and be honest, we can't prove whether or not the radio chatter affected the outcome of the race because you can't. But we want to make sure we want to keep all the integrity of the sport as as clean as possible because this is running for the championship and we want our champion ch- champion to be as clean as possible. I would have been okay with that. That's my what my move would have been because I just don't like that radio chatter. But this is something completely off. I'm going to go a little bit kind of to just a little off the rails here about this because I noticed it with Hamlin and I think Chase Elliott complained about it early in the race. And I'm going to throw these two guys under the bus because I've heard it multiple times this year in multiple situations, and it's just time I'm going to go crazy about it because it drives me nuts. I can't stand, especially when a driver's running for a championship, that drivers are going to sit here and tell me, "Eh, he's racing me too hard. Guess what? Get better. Get a faster race car. Drive better. Figure out a way to to, to make better lap times. Then that guy won't race you so hard. That's what this sport is all about, competition. Get better if you don't want the guy to run hard, hard enough. Goodness gracious, like, damn that. I, it's almost like an NFL team, if an NFL team was upset that the New York Giants, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers came out last night and said, you know what, the New York Giants gave us too good of a game. Why are they playing us so hard? Give me a break with that stuff, please. It's so irritating, and I get it if you get mad at a guy 50 laps into a 500-lap race, fine. But at the end of an event, if you're crying that your teammate's running you too hard, and with 20 to go, give me a break. That is nonsense, and it should. it's just I lose so much respect for these guys when I hear that. I lost every ounce of respect five, six years ago when Elliot Sadler complained that when Ryan Priest passed him at the end of a race at Homestead, and I'll lose respect for anybody who does it. I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. Just wanted to say that. 917-889-8280. That is the number to call here tonight on Talking Circle Saturday's event. NASCAR Xfinity Series race, Harrison Bolton, the youngest driver ever to win at Martinsville, does it on Saturday, leaves 81 laps, was on a little bit of a different fuel strategy, Philip, but it was Harrison Burton going to victory lane, Justin Allgaier finished second, Noah Gregson third, Jeb Burton fourth, Ross Chastain ended up uh, in the fifth position. Um, when you look at the Xfinity Series and what they've done uh, and the drivers who advance, as far as that is concerned, you got Chase Briscoe, of course, with his win a couple of weeks ago. Austin Sindrick, Justin Allgaier, and Justin Haley will run for the championship. What are your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race, Philip, from Martinsville? Yeah, uh, it, it was a little bit more uh, compelling in the sense that you had the colleague cars up there, A.J. Allmendinger, who uh, ended up having a cut tire, same way as you had Truex with the loose wheel. It cost him a shot. I think they wanted uh, AJ in there as a blocker to go, and in the end, it was a non-playoff driver that won the last two races anyway. But I mean, the Harrison Burton was up there. You had um, you had all guys up there all day or most of the day. Chastain won the second stage. Gregson won the first. So those two guys who were trying to win and get in were up there, but when it counted, the Burton and Allgaier had better cars. Um, Harrison Burton is 
figuring it out here. Uh, I, I mean, frankly, you think about how he ran in the KBM truck, and it wasn't all that impressive. And then he got this 20 ride after Chris Bell did what he did for two years in that car. And he had a good couple, a few months early in the season and uh, struggled for a good portion of the season after that. Uh, Road course racing is definitely not his thing. It's a family tradition, I think, to not be good on road courses. But he is, in this last couple of weeks and over this playoff, even when he got eliminated, um, there's something switched for Harrison. And for him to go out there, and and I would honestly say he's a favorite to win on Saturday too because for the Joe Gibbs cars are the best cars at Phoenix and in, in the Xfinity series at least, and definitely they have a good shot on, on Sunday, which fits for Hamlin too. But um, but on the Xfinity side, they have a great package. Brock shot one in the spring over Kyle Busch. Uh, Harrison has experience now with the truck and Xfinity, can and all these things. So, I mean, credit to him. I think there's a good chance that um, even though NASCAR doesn't want it this way, uh, that we could have all three series uh, that a non-top four driver wins. Uh, I think it's very likely in this scenario, in our current situation, because of the momentum with Harrison Burton, the way things are going for him, and then you consider the likes of Gregson, Chastain, who Gregson hasn't won in a while, Chastain who hasn't won all year, uh, to walk off, get uh, to leave full-time with Colleague. I'm sure he'll be running limited races next year for Colleague, but um, full-time for Colleague with a victory, I'm sure he'll get into somebody as long as it's not the 98, then I don't really care. Hopefully it's the 9. Yeah, it was a, a wild event. There's no question the Xfinity Series race to see a young guy like Harrison Burton, and I talked about it on the show on Thursday, you know, usually Martinsville leads to um, the veteran, you know, experience. It leads to experience. When you run good at Martinsville, you usually you're in a, in a uh, you know, a rhythm. You find your rhythm, and it takes young guys that, for whatever reason, a little bit longer to find that rhythm usually than it does veterans. But Harrison Burton, a young kid going out there, winning the Xfinity Series race, um, and, and really four guys advancing when you look at the Xfinity Series championship race, uh, four guys advancing who I think three of them you could sit there and say before the year, sure. Um, it was those, those three could have a chance at it, Briscoe, Sindrick, and Algar. But Haley's a little bit of a surprise because, Spencer, you would think his teammate would be up there, and that's, the, I think, disappointment of the year, and I don't mean to pick on him. I know he's going to the Cup Series next year with uh, Ganassi anyway, but, you know, a little bit of a disappointing year for Ross Chastain. You know, he hasn't won a race this year, so uh, I think that ultimately is what cost him a chance at, at points-wise at advancing to Phoenix. But what are your thoughts on the Final Four there going to Phoenix? Uh, were you surprised by anybody else other than Haley? Are you surprised by anybody else missing other than Ross Chastain? What are your thoughts? You know, I'm really not even surprised by Haley. You know, I feel like that team has – he's been pretty consistent. You know, probably not as consistent as Ross. And, you know, stats-wise, I'm not being um, biased or anything. Um, but it's, it's a shame because, you know, Clayton, you were here in February, and you – you know, we were talking about Ross and 
you know, we were sitting here think, saying how he was going to just dominate the series and just take off. And, you know, you kind of looked at that and you're like, man, he probably can because, you know, those, the big three are gone. And But he didn't run bad. You know, he was consistent all year. I mean, you know, won a couple stages, was up front. But some of those races that just got away, you know, where he could have finished fourth but ended up finishing seventh on a restart. You do that four, five, six, seven times a year, you know, that, what, I'm not a math genius, but realistically somewhere around 25 points that you've lost throughout the year. And, you know, there's some wins that he could have had, and that could have been, you know, five playoff points. And, you know, he could have had a little bit more stage wins. There's some more playoff points. You know, you mentioned a couple wins, and Haley did that. He got a couple wins, and that helps. Um, you know, it, you know, we can say it helps, but realistically it don't because look at Harvick. But, um, no, I feel like colleagues, they had a solid year. You know, they set out. They were trophy hunting. They did that. And he just came up a little bit short. Um, you know, I'd be very upset if, you know, he didn't have a cup ride and he lost the championship. I'd be like, and not knowing where he would go. But it's weird. Both of my guys are going to be in the Cup Series next year racing Chevy, and I just bought a Ford, so. Um, it's a little weird, but I can be a Chevy guy at heart with a Ford, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the championship four that are there, you, you know, Cendric obviously deserves to be there. Had a hell of a season. Briscoe, a dominant season, just like Harvick. Storthaus was strong. Uh, both Cup and Xfinity, congrats to them. And then uh, Haley, you know, very consistent with the Chevy. And uh, uh, I'm having a blank. The other guy. Oh, man. Who is it? Help me out. Allgaier, you have Allgaier, uh, Haley, Allgaier, Cindric, and Briscoe. Allgaier, and you know he's, you know he's a veteran. You know he's the, arguably you know most famous guy in the Xfinity series. Been around a long time. Knows what he's doing. Brant just signed another twenty year, uh, another twenty race deal for next year. So that's big for JRM and Junior and Kelly and the whole organization over there. And um, so he has uh, good sponsors behind him. He goes out. And he wins a couple races. So. I feel like the guys who are there deserve to be there, um, you know, and they're going to go to Phoenix. And they're going to battle it out. Do I think Haley has enough to go there and cap it off? No, it's probably going to be between the seven or the 98. I feel like the seven's too good at Phoenix and the 98 just bad fast all year. So, um, you know, I don't know if you guys know, they just had another miscarriage. So life's pretty rough on them right yeah. now. And it, it, it mean a lot for them to go out and win the championship and, um, so I'm pulling for them. You know, he's, he's, he's a great guy. He's, you never see him really mad. You know, if he gets out of the race car, he goes, well, we had, it. you know, I just made a mistake. So, um, he's going through a lot right now. So it'd mean nothing more to him and his family and that whole team to, uh, cap off a championship and he's going cup racing next year. So, um, everybody there, I think they had a fantastic season and deserve to be there. Well, I think when you think about peaking at the right time, the guy to pick the championship would be uh, would be uh, Briscoe. Absolutely, you know he is peaked at the right time. I've said this before about Cindric. I just think Cindric, for whatever reason, they've kind of, you know, when you want to finish the season strong, they they've really just they haven't done that so far. Uh, All guy has been. He's one of those guys though that you could totally see him winning a winning a race out of the blue and winning this championship kind of like what we saw with Tyler Reddick a couple of years ago. Uh, and I do think Haley is a long shot. I think you're right on that, but it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll give our championship predictions and the race predictions here in a little bit. But want to get to the uh, Truck Series NASCAR Hall of Fame 200. 
from Martinsville Speedway. That was the name of the race. A race that saw Phillip, uh, the majority of it run under caution. 82 of the 200 laps were run under the caution flag. A lot of wrecks, a lot of accidents, young drivers, uh, veteran drivers, all kinds of drivers getting into issues. But the big story of the day was really Austin Hill, uh, another guy who had a great year this year and just uh, is not going to be running for that championship. Gren Enfinger went to victory lane. He won his way into um, the championship race at Phoenix. Then it's Sheldon Creed, Brent, Enf- Brent Moffitt, and uh, Zane Smith. So three GNS trucks and a, the lone Thor Sport Ford with Gren Enfinger. Uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame 200 at Martinsville? Yeah, Ilmore came through yet again. They usually uh, strike uh, Thor Sport Racing, uh, but uh, this time they got the 16 team, which uh, for Austin Hill not being able to make it after winning the regular season title is a bummer. He's taken a big step forward over these past two years uh, as a driver and, and, and is a legitimate guy that could get into the XNE series, and who knows, maybe in time maybe he gets up to the – Cup Series, but uh, he wasn't given that opportunity. He didn't have the chance to race for it because he was blowing up. And uh, shame for him, shame for that organization. They won the championship with Brett Moffitt a couple, two, three years ago. So that that's something to they, – they're a tough team. Last year they fell out kind of in uh, dramatic circumstance as well and then went out and won Homestead. So – it wouldn't shock me he goes and does that at Phoenix this weekend or on Friday night. Um, but, you know, Grand Enfinger, he's he's a grinder. He always has been. Uh, for years, he was in the ARCA series, and he he was able to finally win that ARCA championship and, and use that and moved up into the trucks with Thor Sport. He's been with them. He's He's done a lot of work on super speedways. But he's in this playoff has shown his his talent and his ability on the short tracks, uh, winning at Richmond, winning at uh, Martinsville here in a in a do or die situation. And now he's the only only thing only driver standing in the way of a GMS championship. Of uh, Jeff Hensley, of course, it's a home game for him and his family. Martinsville Speedway to get that win's a big deal. Uh, Grant Enfinger is just a really good guy uh, to go and uh, get that uh, win. And, uh, I mean, we will see what happens at Phoenix, but um, you can't ever count them out because you got two grinders, two guys that have, that are career, you know, just that's been around forever. Jeff Hensley's never gotten that championship. It would be a big deal for him, uh, you know, he was part of Chuck Bounds' Bush Series championship way back in 1990 when uh, Clayton, you and I were really young and uh, not sure Spencer was even around then. So the fact that no, <laughs> so for Jeff Hen- yeah, so Jeff Hensley is uh, looking for another uh, piece of hardware, and that would be good for um, them and that organization, which is one of the stalwart organizations in this sport. But it's going to be uh, tough to beat three GMS trucks uh, in in this spot. Yeah, GMS had a tremendous year, and it's funny you mentioned that about uh, Hensley, Jeff Hensley. I tell you, his career has been incredible. And you know, we all remember 
uh, Jimmy Hensley, and I know there's a relation there, but I'm not exactly sure how. I don't know if it's his brother or whatnot, but um, yeah, Jeff Hensley's career has been incredible. He owned, he owned, I think he partially owned that team with Chuck Bound back in the day, um, yeah. but, and he was a crew chief there, but he's been around forever, and for him to go out there and really revamp his career in his truck series with Grand Infinger, I'm pulling for them. Just for Jeff Hensley, because he's just a veteran guy who's been working his life in this sport. And for him to come back in 2020 with all the technology and all how much things have changed for somebody who's really adapted to the times as well as he has, he deserves an opportunity to, uh, to win his championship. How about you, Philip? I mean, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Spencer. <laughs> how about you, uh, your opinion on this race from Martinsville in a truck series? Uh, any surprises for you that guys didn't make it? Obviously, we saw Matt Crafton. Um, ben Rhodes didn't get in here as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Martinsville race for the truck series? Yeah. Um, you know, the guys who made it, you know, they, you know, the guys who didn't make it, you know, they were up there at the end. You just look at Rose. I mean, he was right there. Um, but it just goes back to, they were so far behind that it was a must win. And unfortunately, you know, you, like speaking of him, you're running up front. And you're like, man, I finished third. I should make it. But you're going into these races, and you're just so, you know, you're so many points behind that, you know, you you have to win. You know, you win, you you move on. So, um, yeah. So you know, the season that Hill had, um, even though I can't stand the guy, but you have to admit he had a good year. Um, that Hattori Motorsports and the whole um, 16 bunch, they've They've performed over the last couple of years, you know, winning the championship with Brett, Brett Moffitt, and I'll get to him in a minute. Um, you know, they went out and win races, and that's what you do when you set out to go racing in February is to win races and compete for a championship, and they gave it their best. You know, it's a small team. You know, I think they only got around 12 to 15 employees um, versus, you know, you look at HMS, you know, or a big KBM team, you know, it's 400-something employees. You know, KBM has over 100 that's a big difference. And they're up there competing with these small teams and or these big teams and they're getting the job done. Unfortunately, they just came up a little bit short. You know, there's eight drivers for four spots. So um, I feel like the guys, you know, once again, who made it deserve to be in it, you know, just like the Xfinity series, the guys who made it deserve to be in it. They've all had good years. Zane Smith has really come out and performed this year. He's in the final four. He's young. He's a nice guy, deserves it. Um, we've seen him struggle in the Xfinity series with, JRM, but he went from ARCA to Xfinity. You know, that's a big jump. Um, you know, each level is a whole other ball game. So he was brought back down in the trucks, and he did a good job. Um, has two wins, and, you know, he's ran well enough to make it to the final four, and it shows. You know, they, everybody in this has a good shot. Um, but GMS and Thor, you know, it's three against one. So that 98 team and Grand Infinger, they really have to go out and run. They really have to run and stay up front, control the race, um, you want to be the guy out front, lead them down pit road. You want to be in control. Um, so they really need to stay out front all day and try to win a three-on-one battle, I guess you used to say. But, yeah, I mean, great season by all these guys, you know. Um, and then Moffitt, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He's been there before. And um, I don't know if he's going to be back at GMS. I haven't heard whether he's going Xfinity Racing or what the deal is with him. But, you know, if he wins, he's a two-time cup champion. And, it's crazy to think he was the guy with Red Horse winning a race for them at Michigan and running races for MWR, I think. Um, I could be wrong. I don't yeah. remember. Uh, 
Hey, one more of the year in the Cup Series. Yeah, so with the Aaron's car over there, and it's just crazy to think, you know, he, he had that race, and it was kind of like, wow, who's this guy, you know, winning this race? And here he is, he's a champion, he's every year out winning races. So, you know, he's 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 like Allgaier, but in the Truck Series. You know, Brett Moffat is a Truck Series guy. You know, you look at him to go out, you know, win races, and, and that's Brett Moffat. He's good in the trucks, you know, so um, I think he has a good shot. So, you know, it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to this weekend, and um, we'll get to our picks in a minute. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's no question about that. And, you know, you talk about Moffat. I mean, I did something on him a, a few weeks ago on uh, frontstretch.com about just a forgotten free agent. That's basically what the title of the article was. And it just explained how this guy, all he does is win races and everything he's been in, in the truck series, he's been dominant the last three or four years. And, you know, whenever we get talk about a, a cup deal coming apart, he's never in the conversation. And that just, I don't understand it because he's such a damn good race car driver. And maybe one of these years, he'll be able to Xfinity. get up there and at least get an, even an Xfinity ride. Exactly. You know, you would hope that, but it's all about money at the at this point. But, um, you know, you'd hope one of these days you'd like to see him in a good ride in Xfinity and get him to the Cup Series because he certainly seems like he belongs there. Okay, guys, um, want to discuss this weekend, preview this weekend at Phoenix. Obviously, a completely different racetrack than what we normally crown a championship on, which was Homestead for the last, what, 18, 19 years. We've run Homestead Miami Speedway for this championship race for the season finale. But we're running out of Phoenix this year. Um, I'll start with you, Philip, for the Cup Series event. Who do you got winning this race at Phoenix? Obviously, Harvick's a guy a lot of people point to. Uh, he's got a ton of wins here at Phoenix in his career. And then, you know, Hamlin's won here in the past. Logano won here back uh, in in March. Um, who do you got winning this weekend, and who do you got winning the championship? I think Harvick goes out and wins after uh, them laying an egg the way they did at Martinsville and through that last round. Uh, they kind of do a walk-off in their own way and say, well, we won the most races in terms of Latford or whatever system. They won. They had the most points all year. Um, I think he's going to go out there and win uh, the the final race of the year, which still doesn't have a sponsor, tells you how healthy NASCAR is. Um, in terms of the championship, I know who I would like to see win, um, not Joey Logano, um, his teammate. That's that's who I would like to see win. I believe the champion will be Denny Hamlin. Um, he'll run second, and he'll gladly run second and uh or somewhere up there and uh unless Clyde gets into him, that'd be cool. If the way they ran into each other at Phoenix a couple of years ago, that'd be great. Um I think it's gonna be Denny Hamlin that's uh holding the hardware as he walks into uh being a team owner uh starting basically Monday uh, as a, a NASCAR team owner. So Danny Hamlin, after all these years and all the stuff he's gone through and spitting the bit in 2010, choking away that championship, choking away other championships like last year, he'll finally come through and uh, get his first Cup Series championship. Interesting. I like that pick. You know, uh, he's kind of been under the radar here because he really didn't have uh, anything too crazy going on these last couple of weeks. With, you know, Elliott winning his race, Kozlowski uh, really – 
being a I think a favorite as well because of the 550 package. Logano won here in May, uh, but Hamlin's had some good success here at Phoenix as well. We've also seen you know at this time of the year when the money's on the line at Phoenix cough it up a couple of times as well. So it'll be interesting. It'd be fascinating to watch. Spencer, who do you got winning this race at Phoenix for the Cup Series? Who do you got taking the championship title at Phoenix as well? Oh, man. As far as winning, I think you're going to have to win. Um, you know, those guys, they it's crazy, you know. Every year it seems like they're one, two, three, and 4. And every time I think about that, I go back to 2014. Newman didn't run second, you know, and run up front like he did all year that year. But, look, come time to cha- Final Four, you know, to win championship, look who's running second, almost won it. Um, it's just crazy to me. You see these guys, they don't really run up there all year, but they somehow make it in Final Four, and when it comes time, they're running one, two, three, four all night. Um, so I find that kind of interesting, you know. So I think you're going to have to um, you're going to have to win the race. I uh, These guys are too good uh, not to, you know, you're, you know, look at Homestead. I know it's two different tracks, but you know, that's not a fluke. You know, the, the guys who are there are there for a reason. They're that good. So, as far as winning, you know, it's probably laying out to be, um, man, I, 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 I can't stand him. So, I really don't want to say him. But I'd like to see Elliott win the championship. Um, that's who I'll pick the championship. Whether he wins the race, I don't know. But back in 2017, he had a fast car, ran good there, just got passed by Kenseth. Um, so I'll go out on a limb and say Chase Elliott, why not? You know, the other two guys have a championship um, already, and I don't want to see Hamlin get it. So, um, And then I, if Chase can't win it, probably Harvick or Brad will probably uh, win the race. You know, they're good there, and, you know, they're there. You know, they're in the equipment they are, so they can go up there and do it. So Chase, I'd like to see win. Listen, I know uh, it was reported earlier today by Kelly Crandall that um, – Denny Hamlin's going to have a brand-new race car for Phoenix. And I know that uh, the other two cars, Logano and Chase Elliott, aren't bringing bad race cars at all. But I, And I I'm, might surprise some people here, but I think the race win and championship both are going to go to Brad Keselowski. Uh, this car that he ran at New Hampshire, we forget how good and how dominant he was. I forget where else he wanted that, but New Hampshire was one of them. He was tremendous. And if he bring he's bringing that same race car, if if they don't shoot themselves in the foot and choke and throw this away, th- to me they will be a the champion here in 2020. And what a story that will be considering. I had him going to Hendrick um, earlier in the year, and I questioned that crew chief change um, when they made it, but it looked like certainly Roger Penske certainly knows more about his team and his drivers than I do. NASCAR Xfinity Series. I'll start with Spencer this time. Um, you know, just to refresh the, the audience's um, mind here of, of who's in the championship hunt for the Xfinity Series. Of course, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, Justin Allgaier, Justin Haley. Your thoughts, Spencer? Who wins the race? Who wins the championship at Phoenix in the Xfinity Series? I think uh, Justin Allgaier is going to go out and win the race, and obviously that will crown him the champion. I think he's too good at the racetrack. He's with a good team. He's confident. He really wants one, and um, if he isn't going to get it, it's probably going to be the 98. But I think the, you know, no matter how good the 98 is, 
Um, Justin Augar knows how to get around a racetrack, and that's what's key. You need to know the place, your braking, your gas, this and that. And um, not saying that Briscoe don't, but Algar, he's a veteran, and he knows how to get it done there. And um, So JRM will probably be hoisting a trophy again, and, um, you know, they'll – you know, be crowned champion at the end of the year and move on to 2021 and have a lot of momentum. So um, probably the seven, realistically. Interesting. You know, uh, I know the Xfinity Series got a bunch of young drivers in it. Cindric, we haven't really seen him run much here at Phoenix. Same thing with Haley. And you can also say the same thing about Briscoe, but the guy with the experience is Allgaier, and he's got two wins at Phoenix in his career, so it's not like it's been a bad racetrack for him, including this race a year ago. How about you, Philip? Who wins the Xfinity Series race and the title? I I mean, I'm going to keep on going with the trend that I was talking about earlier. Um, I feel like a Gibbs car is going to win on Saturday. <clears throat> Who the Gibbs car is, I, it doesn't really matter. I know it's not going to be Riley Hurts, so that you can just throw out, um, even though he's going to be driving the 98 next year, but that's beside the point. Uh I feel like Harrison goes and and gets gets this uh this race and wins three straight to end the season and puts himself right smack dab as a as a title favorite, you know, um compared to, you know, Sindrick, who everybody is looking at, Justin Allgaier, uh, and whoever else will be there, Haley, etc. I, I think Harrison Burton goes out there and wins. I mean, here's the thing. I have to go and qualify this. NASCAR doesn't want a playoff, non-playoff driver to win. It was really bad when it happened with the truck series race last year and Matt Crafton won without any wins. Hey, I, I know that's what NASCAR doesn't want, but you also have to look at where momentum is and you have to look at reality and what kind of drivers and cars and everything that's going on there. Um, you're going to have an angry Kevin Harvick in the Cup Series. You're going to have Harrison Burton who's on a heater, and it's a track that has been good for his father. It, it kind of makes sense. The tracks that his dad was great at, Jeff Burton, uh, Harrison seems to do good at. I, I don't know. It just seems to work that way. Um, so it's a track that was good for Jeff Burton over the years too. So I figure Harrison wins it. And I'm I'm gonna go and I don't care. Or you can call me a, a homer. You can call me a shill. I don't give a crap. Um, I mean, uh, Marissa came out and said there might be some good news. They did have a miscarriage, but they might be some good news tonight. So um, hopefully, the, in the sense of having making a family, they'll be good. But I also do believe that Chase Briscoe, after nine wins is going to close this deal and uh, win at Phoenix or win the championship at Phoenix and walk off into the cup series as an Xfinity series champion. And that's fully because I'm, I'm, I'm a fan and I'm a shill and I'll, I'll admit it and I don't care because the guy's been the best driver in the series. Uh, if it doesn't get paid off, it'd be really disappointing. And it hurts when he doesn't win races. And so that's, I know I'm a fan because it hurts when he doesn't win races. So I completely admit that. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with you on Briscoe. I just think he's been just had too good of a year. And not only that, I just think um, when the push comes to shove this year and he's needed to win and he's performing, peaking at the right time, 
that 98 team's been doing that. And, and the seven, again, that's the only one I'd really be concerned about. And I'm not trying to pick on the 22 or the 11. Um, you know, Sindrick's had a good year this year, but it's just they're not peaking at the right time right now. They just seem like they had a really strong summer, but other than that, they've been kind of a little bit off. And, and I don't like picking drivers who and teams that are just can't are still looking for the right uh, combination to win races going to the championship race. Uh, and Haley seems like a long shot. I don't know if Colleg's there just yet to run run off a championship. They've had a hell of a year. Um, they're a growing organization. I think everybody loves Colleg deep down because they're an Xfinity-only team. Sure, they get help from RCR, but they're an Xfinity Series-only team, uh, and they have a lot of drivers you can root for, Haley, Chastain, Almendinger, if you like those guys. But at the end of the day, I just think they're at least a year or two away from competing for a championship. Uh, hardcore and, and being a team that you would be the favorite, I should say. Um, so I'm going to go with Briscoe as well. Truck Series, guys, obviously, um, it's a Truck Series event. Brett Moffitt's won here back in 2018. He's running for the championship again. you got Sheldon Creed. You've got uh, Zane Smith and Brett Moffitt and Brennan Finger. Those are your four drivers running for the championship in the Truck Series. Spencer, I'll start with you. Give me your champion and who wins this race at Phoenix for the Truck Series. Uh, like I said, I feel like you're going to have to win. Um, the Truck Series might be a little different because it's a uh, younger experience, but um, I think Brett Moffitt. Uh, just because of, like I just said, experience. Um, he know he knows what he's he's a champion for a reason. You know he's won with two different teams. You know he he dominated in twenty in the sixteen truck. Now the Austin Hill pilots that truck with Hattori. He goes to GMS and does the same thing. And you said it earlier. You know ten minutes ago he's he drives so good in anything he gets in. You know the O two with our Motorsports an underfunded team, but he goes out and gets top tens, top fifteens every weekend and and you know runs good. So the guy knows how to drive. Um, yeah, I just feel like uh, he's he's the man for the job uh, to go out and win the championship. You have to be good all night, though. You know, if he has issues, you know, kiss your hard kiss the hardware goodbye. Uh, but based off experience, and he's been there before, he's he's performed under this pressure, uh, or or however you would say that. But yeah, uh, probably GMS in the twenty three truck. How about you, Philip? Spencer's got Moffitt. Who do you got? I'm going to keep on with my non-playoff driver trend, and Austin Hill goes and gets another walk-off win. It'll be two years in a row that he does that, um, and he'll have to figure out a way to go and close it next year um, in 2021 for a championship. I figure he goes out there, wins the race, and I'm going to to pick Sheldon Creed uh, because – to be completely honest in terms of the one person that has stood out uh, over the entire season and especially since the COVID return uh, or COVID birth, post COVID uh, racing, Sheldon Creed's taken a step forward in his career. He's like Robbie Gordon 2.0. You have to hold him back because he doesn't know how to use the brakes. He's a, he's, Robbie Gordon with a little bit more polish, um, and he's a good kid, uh, came from the ARCA series, MDM, uh, went and won that ARCA title, 
If he goes and wins this championship, it'd be a big deal for him in his career. Chevy has to put some money into him because he's got a ton of potential. Dude's a dirt racer. Um, I think Sheldon Creed goes out there and gets that gets the hardware on Friday night. Wow, we're going three different picks, and I've kind of toyed between Moffitt and this guy I'm going to choose. But, again, I, I kind of, you know, Phillips has some trends with his picks tonight. I'm going to go with guys peaking at the right time, and those, those are my two things that I like with the championship in NASCAR, peaking at the right time and winning races when you have to win it. And last week, a guy who won a race when he had to win was Grenenfinger, and I think he's going to do it again this weekend at Phoenix. He's going to win and take home the championship. Guys, great job as always. We'll be back here next week, breaking down all three races for the championship, talking about the champions, breaking down 2020 as a whole, too, with a crazy year with with the pandemic, with the shutdown we had for a little while, and we got them all in, and we got them all in with pretty much a lot of people being healthy. I know there was a little COVID situation pop up with uh, the 24 pit crew uh, last week, but for the most part, you know, we had Jimmy Johnson, now Austin Dillon missed races, because of that, but for the most part, NASCAR's been pretty good. They've done a heck of a job with the pandemic. They deserve a lot of credit for that, but we'll discuss all of 2020, take a look back on it, and really get into this offseason and, and talk about the other silly season news. We'll, uh, during the offseason, we'll also do our report cards, teams that really performed well, teams that didn't perform well, we'll give our grades there as well, and then when we get into 2021, we'll preview the season and get, re- get you ready for Speed Weeks uh, 2021, but uh, great job as always again tonight. We'll be here next week on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.